0: My Football Podcast, David Larson and Stefan Housen. Back again. (laughs) I stole that from a popular YouTuber. I will
1: use it again. What's up, Stefan? I'm good, man. Looking forward to breaking down some football news. Good week has passed us by. Let's get into it.
0: Get into the interesting things. And the thing that interested me the most, Stefan, was the hype that Wilfred Ndd, Leicester defensive midfielder, got yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of hype going around. And this is, this, is, this is the reason why I'm happy that we're recording this and why I am able to talk football with you because you get it. People just don't get it, Stefan. They just don't get it. They look at football sometimes like it's a 400-meter race. They just don't understand. So a player like Wilfred Ndidi is always overrated in England, Right. Yeah. Always over, That type of football player that runs around and makes tackles, etc. Those are the type of football players that get far too much credit for what they're doing. Yesterday, for example, they come out with a stat. He had 19 ball recoveries or something ridiculous like that. And they were going, oh, brilliant game, whatever. And I was like, for 80% of that game, I didn't even remember he was on the football field. Because Liverpool was just bossing the bossing the game, like it was just Liverpool, Leicester defend Liverpool, Leicester defend Liverpool, Leicester defend. And I'm sorry, football is, is called football. It means you play football. It's not it's not called running and uh, running and kicking the ball. It's called football. You play. And when I look at someone like him, right? Yeah. And statistically, it's going to be. It's going to be very, very good because he had he had that assist. Uh, that was you know late on in the game when Liverpool had completely fallen apart, uh, and he had tackles, etc. As I said, with recoveries. But players like why is he having to make so much recoveries? That's the cool. When I saw 90 recoveries, like there's a reason he had to make nineteen recoveries because he couldn't get on the ball, and when he got on the ball, he couldn't do anything with it. Agreed. So, like, uh, this always annoys me. It's always always been something that's annoyed me since the Makalele days. I'm sure some people remember him, some people don't. Makalele, defensive midfielder, came in, left Real Madrid. Real Madrid didn't have much hope for him, whatever. You know, Perez thought that he was expendable. And I, I don't think players like that have a role. Those players have a role and they're good role players for a team. But those are, there's a, they, they play that role because they're not good enough to play the other roles. That is why you have someone to run around to get the ball, to give the ball to the good players. And you hope that the player that can run around and win the ball can use the ball well enough so your good players can get the ball more often than not. right? So that, that was my thoughts on, on what I saw yesterday.
1: Well, as I have always said, years upon years now, as you've you've known me for a while now, I've always said the easiest position on a football field to get overrated in, position and role, is defensive midfield and specifically a purely defensive deep line player like Wilfred Ndidi. Yep, he got 19 recoveries yesterday. As you said, why did he have to get 19 recoveries? It's because his midfield was totally dominated. Um, I looked at that game yesterday, and at no point in time would I have said anybody on Leicester's midfield played particularly well. Maybe they didn't play badly, but I wouldn't have said anyone was thrilling or great. And what we came out of that game hearing yesterday was how Tiago was disappointed. Tiago came onto the field pretty early for James Milner, I believe it was, went to that unfamiliar DLP role at the base, 90% success rate with his passing. But uh, the most passes on the field, I believe. Tackles, he made three out of five successful. He wasn't dribb- He wasn't dribbled by anybody, I believe. Um, interceptions, two. Wilfred Ndidi completed 70% of his passes. Wilfred Ndidi was dribbled by his opponents, the most on the field. He was dribbled by the most. Yes, he had five tackles. He was dribbled five times, more than anybody on the football field. He was dispossessed more than Tiago. Tiago, in all intents and purposes, outperformed him. Yet, because Tiago is the technical player, i.e. he's high, he's held to a higher standard, people come out and say he played badly. Indeed, the, the less technical player, the overrated player, had a thrilling game, despite not being able to do half the things that Tiago can do on a football field. It makes no sense to me. And as you say, it goes back to Makalele. It goes back to... Um, Thomas Graveson when he was at Everton what a superb player went to Real Madrid but, 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 hey, yeah. hey, I have to point out Thomas Graveson when Thomas Graveson
0: went to Real Madrid quick story he he was playing a role be similar to what Conte was doing at, um, he at to- Leicester he was oh, playing beside a defensive midfielder Lee Carsley yes. and because he had a good European Euro 2004 couple of games good Euro 2004 for Denmark Perez thought that he could, you know, slide him in there. And when they sold him, I remember the the media, there were some quotes that were like, I wonder if they have him confused for Lee Carsley, because what they want him to go to Real Madrid and do, he can't do that role. (laughs) And that was is is a similar case with Conte because he's running around making tackles and recoveries. They naturally think, oh, we can just put you there and you can do the same role. Yeah. But in reality, the only reason he's able to do us that kind of role is because he has another holding player
1: beside him. Exactly. But yeah, continue. yeah, but no, I, I fully agree with you. Like, I look on Wilfred, indeed, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a good player for what he is. He's a defensive midfielder who breaks up play. Do I think he's elite? No. I see people saying that Manchester United should sign him, Arsenal should sign him, all these big teams should sign him. And my response to that is no, because he simply doesn't have the facilities to be a better Ball player in a better team. He fits Leicester because they're going to see position and they're going to see to his basic instincts of winning the ball and losing it as much as possible with no regrets. There was a not. There was a player. And his name is slipping He Went to PSG.
0: Uh, he was on Everton. guy, uh, um, guy,
1: I, I believe. Guy,
0: yeah, yeah. It was a similar case with him. Put up fantastic defensive stats, whatever, and. You know, then you, you go to a good team and you, you, that sort of role isn't needed as much and you don't really hear from it, especially, you know, especially in the French league where they dominate. Exactly, you know.
1: Yeah, fully agree with you. Most overrated, easiest position to get overrated in defensive midfielder. Just, it's just the nature of the game.
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly. But moving on um, to that game though, Stefan, the, the thing that came out of it, obviously... Was Allison again who, who flopped versus Manchester City who flopped again, yesterday. Liverpool played really well for long stretches against Leicester and should have won that game. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, they got a free kick. And I can't, I can't do it anymore. Trent Alexander has to improve. Again, he's been he's been beaten too easily. He was never being used to get beat, which you could, you know, everybody gets beat, but now it's coming to a point where. Critical, critical moments, the critical goals, the critical assists seem to be coming from his side. When you look at him, when you look at Allison, you look at Liverpool. How they just capitulated! That looks like a team that just has lost all fight and all motivation. Almost like they have accomplished all their goals, and it's going to take a complete renewal in the in the summer. Combined with the fact that a lot of the luck that they had in the previous two and a half years has now run out.
1: Yeah, uh, Liverpool look like a team who are at the end of their cycle, which we kind of knew was going to happen. Teams really don't have more than three, four years um, at the very best of themselves. I think that has come for Liverpool They've reached the end. It's been exacerbated by the fact that they've had incredible injuries this year, similar to Man City last year, if we're being honest, and people will say that's an excuse. I don't buy that nonsense. Injuries are a part of football, yes, but when you miss the type of players that they've missed and the um, consistency in injuries to their their central defenders, particularly, it affects the team. Um, You're you're right. They're at the end of their line. Um, Confidence is completely gone. Uh, Trent definitely needs to improve defensively, but I'm not going to criticize him too much. He's still 22 years old. and He's been one of the best-performing right-backs in the last three years, so I'm not going to criticize him too much. He's he's allowed um, a rough patch. Alisson, a lot of the focus will be on mistakes for him. I personally don't think Alisson made a mistake yesterday. I, as a goalkeeper enthusiast, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I believe Alisson called for that ball 100%. And the new boy, Kaba, took it off of his foot and gave him a goal. Many won't see it that way, but as I've repeatedly said on my social media, many have no understanding of goalkeeping whatsoever. So... They're just going to look at it and say, Allison came for a ball, he shouldn't have come, which is nonsense because Allison comes for that ball nine times out of ten. He came for that ball two times in the first half and got there perfectly fine. He would have got there perfectly fine if the defender didn't take it off of his foot. The mistake is on the defender, unless I am proven otherwise, where Allison didn't call for the ball.
0: Well, Allison looked like a madman flying out of that goal. I don't know if he called for it or he didn't call for it. I don't think there was any reason for him to call for it because the defender seemed to have it under control.
1: I disagree so. with that wholeheartedly. The defender didn't have right. it
0: under control. Because mm-hmm. well, from what I say, I don't like to argue with you on goalkeeping because <laughs> I one hundred percent think you know more than me because I, you you are the one eighty to me on goalkeeping. You're on a complete. I believe goalkeeping. Is you know as you know I'm not the biggest fan of goalkeepers I believe and I, appreci-
1: and I appreciate how you view goalkeeping because you will say straight up you don't like the position and you don't understand the position and I don't say, I don't if not, I don't I don't know how to
0: how to gauge I'll openly say and people say oh this goal like how do I gauge. Like, like, sticking out, when Alisson was playing really well, how do I gauge Alisson compared to Mohamed Salah? When Mohamed Salah has to go on, take on markers, and has to do all of that, where the other player's using his hands. I just don't know how to understand one has to deal with the flight of the ball, jumping ability. You know, it, it seems to be more... It, I don't understand the nuances of goalkeeping, I wanted to say, but what I will say is that when I say Fokri, I can imit- I, I believe, that I, I believe that I saw Fokri, and I believe that I saw it with him if you can, you are saying to me in, a, in an educated way because you study more
1: that that wasn't a goalkeeper error so i have to respect that yeah yeah i would just want to quantify this it could very well be a goalkeeping error because if allison flies out of his goal and he does not tell his go- his central defender he's coming for it and then they collide it 100 percent is an allison in that case if that is what happened i personally don't believe a goalkeeper of allison's quality did not call for the ball. When you're a goalkeeper, you have the best view on the field. He came out for that ball twice in the first half and got there perfectly fine. I think there was a miscommunication on the part of the central defender. I think he thought he could have got there before anything happened, and he did. But the fact is, he got there and he put the ball on Jamie Vardy. Even if Allison had stayed in the goal, it would have been a one-on-one for Jamie Vardy and Alisson. And that would be a
0: mistake. I thought the I thought the defender, dif- I, dif- I would have to check it back again, but either way, it Liverpool capitulated. Mistakes that didn't make before they, they came in. Because Leicester should not have even been close in that game. Up until the point where Madison's free kick went in, that was the only thing that Madison had done for the entire game. Yeah, Madison was completely and utterly useless. Well, I'm going to say useless. He was completely and utterly he was out of the game. He didn't have the button. Dispondent. Let's call him despondent, yes. Yeah and and liverpool and I, just like i thought against city for most of the game i felt liverpool were right in there with city right yeah. it was an even game city were reactionary city looked like a team that had scar tissue in their brain against a team like liverpool where they feel like if we overextend ourselves we're going to miss a chance. They're going to score. And it's going to be like, oh hell, how the hell are we going to get back into this game? So they were playing risk-free. They uh, didn't, didn't didn't um have many lines of play. There wasn't much interchange. The only breakdown that City has had been was that Sterling was completely getting caught high up the field. They adjusted and there, and there was no more, there was no more Sterling getting high up the field. And Liverpool just kept making mistakes and eventually they lost.
1: Yeah. Liverpool to me this season have reminded me a lot of Manchester City last season, where I thought Manchester City, um, yeah, they had their problems, they had their injuries as well. But for the most part, in most of their games, they played fairly well and then they made a stupid mistake and they lost. That's pretty much
0: Yeah, it was kind of like when they played Liverpool last year, remember, um, they lost 3 0. For the first part of the game, uh, Manchester City had a chance had another chance and then boom Liverpool score I like score an amazing goal yeah. and then they, they're coming at it again and Liverpool score and it's like okay it's over now because once we open up they're just too fast and too 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 slick yeah. and that's the end of it and I felt like they just were going to just hope, hope for the rest. and Liverpool just hasn't found those those great goals to, to put away teams and that's the end of them
1: yeah I definitely Agree with you. There, Um, that's a team that needs some investment, some change. We both thought that Thiago would have added a different element to them this season. Unfortunately, because of the injuries, that has not been able to happen. We're seeing Thiago play deeper than he would like. Um, Henderson has been out of midfield. They've been. I think I saw. I heard a stat yesterday that they must have played thirteen different centre-back partnerships in eighteen games in the Premier League. Or something like that, or something to that effect, which is ridiculous when you think about it. There's been no consistency in probably Liverpool's most important role, which is their centre back par- pairing. Because not only does the centre back pairing prevent goals, it's the base on which they attack, because it allows their wing backs to fly up comfortably, knowing that the space behind them is covered. So it's been a t- it's been a total um, shit show essentially for Liverpool this season.
0: Yeah, no, Fabian. But you know, Manchester United versus. West Brom is about to come on. When it's talking about goalkeepers, De Gea, what has happened to
1: him? Uh, De Gea is, um, that's an interesting case. I, despite what people think, I really rate David De Gea. And I've always rated David De Gea. But I've always thought that if it was the media or Manchester United or EPL, they overrated him. There was a point in time where people legitimately thought David De Gea was the best goalkeeper in the world. He me, was making
0: some saves for United at a time when United just he couldn't do much well.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing about that. I call those newspaper saves. They're, mm-hmm. they're headline makers, but when it came down to the actual comprehensive fundamentals of goalkeeping, I don't think David De Gea has ever been a complete goalkeeper. I have never thought David De Gea was comparable to someone like Manuel on there. Um, when he went mm-hmm. to Manchester United initially, he struggled with the crosses and the physicality, mm-hmm. which is expected. But especially coming from a Spanish goalkeeper who was very good with his feet distribution, etc., he's put in work on those things. But I would still say David doesn't isn't dominant in his box. And the drawback of that is he's lost the ability of his feet and his distribution. So it's always been up and down for him. I still think he's a good goalkeeper. I still think Manchester United way overpay him, three hundred and fifty for a goalkeeper who essentially to me right now, probably won't even be in the top 10 in the world. It's quite a, quite a number. Well, well, he was rumored to
0: be benched, but he's starting today against the mighty West Brom. You know, you have to love Ole. Ole is, you know, Ole is this, this cycle of Ole. Against, <laughs> against West Brom, he's playing Fred and Scott McDonough. I, I, I just don't understand it. And he has this stupid look on his face. I'm watching it on Sky Sports and he just has this, this picture like, it's this picture like, mm, I'm an idiot and I'm getting paid. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. shout out to Ole. He has Manchester United in the top four and I guess that's, that's, his, that's the mandate for this season. Moving on, I don't want to get too much into this Manchester United game. But when you look at Marcus Rashford, what has happened? I'm a huge fan of his. But it just doesn't seem to be. It just doesn't seem to be working. He hasn't reached the heights where I felt like he would be considered one of the, the fifteen best players in the world. And maybe I'm overrating him, but I believe he has all the talent in the world. And when he does things like, how can you do that better? Like, how, I always, how can anyone do that better? He has so much good there, and, and I know he he has these moments. But he only has eight goals in the Premier League this year. A guy like Marcus Rashford should be already at fifteen. Should be in double figures, should be doing more. I, I I just not seen the I'm not seeing the next level that I thought I would have seen Marcus Rashford, especially at the last season where I felt he went up a level playing injured and then coming back after the break. I, I felt like this was going to be a year where Marcus Rashford took another step and it just hasn't happened.
1: Yeah, that I, I can see where you're coming from. I what also big fan of Marcus Rashford. Um, the talent level. of oh, West Brom are ahead. That's interesting. One minute in there ahead. Well, you are, you are um ahead of
0: me because I'm just at the kickoff. So <laughs> oh, I'm, on the I'm on the slow Sky Sports Street. I'm on the slow. Yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm on the cable box. It's two minutes behind. So they haven't even kicked off yet. So uh, sorry, to uh, sp- yeah.
1: sorry to spoil that for you, but West Brom are ahead. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, the
0: good news is that Manchester United has two defensive midfielders on the pitch, so they'll be be able to, you know, be back
1: back in it in no time. Yeah, of course. Quality players that Fred is. Uh, Yeah, Marcus Rashford though, yeah, he seems to have hit a ceiling, and that ceiling is below what we thought his ceiling would have been. If we thought he had a two-story house, he has a one-story house at at this moment in time. How much of that has to do with position? I don't know. How much of that has to do with injuries in the past? And poor training under a variety of different managers all of these things could have affected not only Marcus Rashford by the way the likes of David De Gea as well because I've also theorized for a while that one of De Gea's problems is he's gone through so many different goalkeeper coaches and while many people think a goalkeeper coach is the same thing every goalkeeper coach is different but uh, so it could be the same for Marcus Rashford in, in regards to that but Quality player for me, eight goals you did point out, but he also does have eight assists. So if you really think about it, he has what, 23 games with 16 goal contributions from the left for the majority of the season. Yeah, if you look at Marcus Rashford,
0: if you're ranking Marcus Rashford based on wide, wide attackers, it's there, and I, it's just I expect more. Um, and maybe I'm being unfair to him because he's not a sens- he hasn't been played as a central striker. Oh, got around Lindelof. I just seen the goal, by the way. Uh, but and you look at his stats as a wide attacker; it's very good. It's good. Um, but it's not. It's not it's not so his all around performance isn't so good. Where I'd have him as PFA Player of the Year, and that's what we call a transition, as you spoke about your PFA Player of the Year last year last week in Gondogad and Gundogan is just. Absolutely phenomenal. I still don't have mine, by the way. Still too early in the season. You're but still what have you? <laughs> <You're> still <laughs> <coming up. laughs> I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. And I don't want to go with Gundogan because you've already gone with it. But what have you seen in Gundogan so far? Why you think that he is the player of the year?
1: Um, well, you know, as you said, it's early, but I just think he's really put Man City on his back and has managed to carry them in a way that um, certain Belgian footballers haven't been able to carry them, not calling any names. But uh, no, jokes aside, I just, I've always been a big fan of Gundogan. I think at this point in time, the team is now set up in a way that his qualities are being shown. He's able to get forward. Um, he's able to get back on ball and dictate play, score goals, which is obviously the biggest factor when it comes to these things. That's those newspaper headlines, Gundogan scoring the goals is what good him the hype. But I just think he's an all-around quality player. I think one of the big reasons I'm drawn to him is you know who he really reminds me of? Ses Fabregas, Just an all action, technical midfielder who was able to score and assist and dictate play. I think his quality, I think with City you now kind of transitioning since that Spurs loss um team games ago, building around him, building around his qualities, giving David Bernardo Silva some, some space to operate, it's worked out fantastically.
0: In terms of Gundogan, when Gundogan came onto the scene, everyone had him as the type of football player that would have been the next Bastian Schweinstein, a better, even better version of him, because he would be be able to release the ball so quickly. Had just a ton of injuries. Uh, when he's, I always felt when he's on song, he's on song, but those days were just too far far, you know, far in between. But moving on from him, because he's playing well, he's scoring goals, he's getting all those things and City looks like they're going to win the title. But from a Champions League perspective, if they can get Kevin De Bruyne back, Manchester City needs to be in the final of the Champions League. And I I don't think any team in Europe should beat Manchester City this year. A Matter of fact, I'm calling it now to round off this um, podcast. Manchester City is winning the Champions League or get into, get into the finals at least. I, I, I just don't see anybody in Europe being able to beat them. Um, I know that's a dangerous pick because Pep seem to be so unlucky in the Champions League and they can play against an Atletico Madrid who will just get lucky and win a 1-0 or things similar to like what they did against Liverpool. But this team really has everything. And if they can get Kevin De Bruyne back, I feel like they will win the Champions League.
1: I think if they get Kevin De Bruyne, but they have no chance at the Champions League. How <laughs> <laughs> do you hear me to say that? Oh, I, I man. am so sorry. I rate Kevin De Bruyne so much. But this man, when City, when he's the focal point of Man City, I just something about they go down a level. They go down a level. I don't know why, but I've always said the Bernardo, David Silva, Man City is the best city I've ever seen. Since it became Kevin De Bruyne's team, they kind of fell apart. Obviously, it's not because of him. There's injuries, um, loss of form, transition, blah, blah, blah. But he's gone again, and Bernardo is back to his best. Wanda is back to his best. I'm not saying it's because Kevin De Bruyne is not there, but I'm saying Kevin De Bruyne is not there.
0: But to be fair, Bernardo Silva isn't playing as well now as he was two years ago during that run.
1: I would agree with you there, obviously, naturally, but I also think it's... Least- and Sterling
0: wasn't playing as well. Well, yeah, he wasn't playing as well again until recently. That could have been many a thing. Sterling had been in such good form for such a long time. He was due a natural dip, so you can give him that. Foden is a young player, so he's naturally getting better. Uh, what I will say is, with, with Kevin De Bruyne, without Sergio Aguero, um, I feel like City seem to... Struggle, um like versus no, and it seems like with they've gotten used to playing without De Bruyne and and Sergio Aguero, but but to win the Champions League, they're going to have to have one of them, and it doesn't look like it's going to be Aguero, so it has to be Kevin De Bruyne, who is going to have to show he's why he's one of the five best players in the world because he definitely has a team capable of putting him in positions to uh, to get them to that next level.
1: Yeah, i actually brought back up some tweets of mine from. July last year where I said that for Man City to progress as a team they would need to go Aguero less because in Europe especially I've, I've always said Aguero and De Bruyne on the defensive and you're playing two men down and it's, it's always hurt them so my solution last year was they need to build around a focal point that will hold up the ball, create chances, and the midfielders will need to score goals. But Kevin De Bruyne just doesn't score goals, David. Like, it doesn't make sense. That man strikes the football beautifully. And he has three goals this year. And I think two of them are penalties. It makes no sense to me. But Gundogan is there scoring the goals instead. And it's my
0: friend, mentality with him, I believe. Because I was watching an interview with him, a FIFA interview with him, FIFA the game interview with him, and he was just saying he just... He, just prefer, were, he was asking Foden and him... And Kevin De Bruyne, would you rather score or assist? Sporting was like score, and KDB yeah. was like assist. You know, I get much joy passing, and I feel it's just a mentality. You'd rather be in a game to to create. And they're gonna need. I still feel the the one problem with Manchester City, and hopefully they've gotten over it, beating Liverpool, is the the mental scar tissue of being dominant for long stretches, not being able to score, and then going behind. Like like against Leon, where they changed tactics. They were they went down, they started slow, they're down one nil, they came back in game, it's one-one. They have chances, you know, have chances to go up two-one, they don't. Then it is two, now they're down two one. Sterling misses an open goal. And yeah. then they lose three-one. So stuff like that has happened against Tottenham, for example. They they should have won the game. Aguero misses a penalty, they lose one 0 They're playing against Tottenham again, they look like they're gonna win. Laporte makes mistakes. There's a controversial VAR decision with the corner and the offside, it just doesn't happen. And it's against Monaco, similar situations. So that that's that's what that's what City has to more overcome. And I remember we spoke about it after the Leon game, where I don't think it's a tactical issue with them. You know, people always go down the tactical alley. I, I don't know much more tactics they need. It's more of a mental thing, and that's where I felt like Pep has failed. I don't know either. He, I don't know what he can do as a coach or a manager, but he has to find a way to basically make his players believe they're going to win. Uh, they're lucky in Phil Ford; and they have a player who hasn't suffered those mental scars. In Diaz, ever player who have not suffered those mental scars, and Kyle Walker isn't playing, so they, the rest of the team, should breathe easier that they won't suffer the mental scars for the future. So that, is, um, so that is progress and why I feel like they, they can go ahead and
1: win the Champions League this year. Plus, Bayern Munich isn't as good as they were last year. I don't think any team is as good as they were last year, which makes no sense because Barcelona got 8-2 and they've gotten worse. Madrid looks worse. Athletico- every, yeah, every team has gotten, every team, even City has
0: gotten worse, but City has a system and familiarity with each other and the players are still relatively in their prime um, that they can function correctly so even though they're not as dynamic as they were a couple years ago the system the familiarity will allow them to that's one of the reasons why I think they're going to win but Atletico Madrid is the is a team where I I would be afraid if I was (laughs) was Manchester City because they will they they just have a they have a way of just messing everything up absolutely messing everything up so that would be a free
1: ultimate party spoilers indeed
0: anyway we're we're out of time anything else you want to add
1: Uh, i think that's pretty much it for this week
0: all right stefan good catching up with you hopefully have some more stories coming out and we catch up next week peace